mental health so that we could enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. All right, ladies, so excited about today's topic. I love books. I love an excuse to talk about books, which is <laughs> that a couple people have asked. Um, I started out actually towards the new year where I was asking for book recommendations and books that people have been affected by. And then I shared some that I read this year. And so today I'm going to talk about the five books that have changed my life. And it is not necessarily uh, these. I don't think any of them actually did I read in the last year. I've read them all prior to the last year. So and it was very, very hard for me to whittle this down to just five because I have read so many excellent books that I know have been game changers at different times. I don't know about you, but I know sometimes things just hit you in the right season that even I've gone back to and and read it again and been like, huh, like, did that really inspire me that much? Or did that really, wow, I really liked this book at that time. But sometimes it's just exactly what you need to hear. So we're going to hop into that. But firstly, let me tell you, if it is your first time, welcome. I am Brittany. I am a Catholic wife and mom of two boys, and I run fitmomlifetothefullest.com. So I'm a personal trainer, and fitness coach and all that jazz and come hang out with me anywhere Instagram Facebook if you want to learn more <laughs> all right and now we will get into the books because I have been so excited to do this episode uh, the first book that has changed my life I had to put in here and at the top of the list as it deserves is the Bible sacred scripture I have read so many good spiritual books that it was hard to this is the only spiritual book on the list and you know, it's hard because there are other ones, Saint Memoirs and things like that, biographies that have really touched my life. Some of the writings of Saint Therese or Mother Teresa, things like that. But definitely the Bible is just the roadmap to life. And talk about getting something new from it every time, all the time. I know a lot of you who are listening to this are probably also doing the Bible in a Year app with Father Mike Schmidt. So that is awesome. I just started, well, I guess at the time of this podcast, it'll be have been like two weeks ago. I'm about a couple weeks out recording this, um, but I'm catching up right now because I did just, I started like a week late, but um, it was so cool. I did not know that existed. So if this is the first you're hearing of that too, definitely go listen to that podcast. But I had been looking for a Catholic Bible app because as much as I love physically holding and reading the Bible, podcasts are just such an an easy, I guess, for lack of a better word, but like convenient way to take in information and to to just listen rather than physically read. It just fits this season of life. I think that's why so many of us gravitate toward this way and why I've liked podcasts so much because I can throw it on while I'm cooking or folding laundry or driving or whatever. It's just more that you can fill in pockets of time that you maybe couldn't have before. So I was super excited that a friend told me about it. Some of my, um, I teach a theology class and my students told me about it because I had been searching for, like I said, a Catholic Bible app just on my own just to listen to. But this is literally taking you through it in a year. So very cool. I'm excited to do that this year. But in the past, the the books that I always go back to and reread, and I still do physically read the Bible. Right now I'm still physically working through wisdom. And it just, it has changed my life. It continues to change my life. If you're reading your Bible, I'm sure it's changing your life because the, it's just so black and white. It really is. When we act like there's gray areas and so many gray areas, there's really not. You read it. It's so applicable. It's so relevant. And I love those books. I've read Wisdom and Proverbs so many times. I also really like the Pauline letters, letters to the Corinthians, letters to Timothy, because it's just 
go do this. Boom. <laughs> it's not, I appreciate the gospels. I like the Psalms for what they are, all these different things. But sometimes, you know, you do have to dig and try to decipher and put it in the historical context where wisdom is like, all right, don't waste your breath on a fool. The end. Don't argue with those who are, you know, foolhardy because it will just make you weary. Like, yes, exactly. That's so appropriate for this climate, for this culture where we all just want to Facebook fight with everybody and hop into everything like it's our battle to fight. Like, all right, it's got, it says right there in scripture, you don't need to argue with every fool you see posting something. So I love the Bible. I had to put it on there as my number one. But number two is what the most successful people do before breakfast. This is by Laura Vanderkam. I read this years ago. I think I was 20. And this is my genre. I love books about being productive and what successful people do, what productive people do. I have read, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I've read um, so many books on habits, actually. But this one stuck out to me because I remember just reading different like case studies and learning and just it opened my eyes to a whole world of people out there who did get up really early and who did their workout early and did their prayers early. And I just did not, um, I hadn't really been exposed to that before. We were, I was homeschooled all the way through birth, whatever. <laughs> yes. Came out of the womb memorizing my ABCs, but no, I was homeschooled all the way through elementary school and high school. So we had a much more lax schedule. My mom is definitely a a night owl. So she likes to wake up preferably like eight or nine, take her time, have a slow start to the day. And then she's up even now until 11 or midnight most nights where my dad gets up early, but he works at 6 a.m. So he was always up, poured his coffee, you know, got dressed for the day, went off to work. So I never really saw anybody doing like I didn't know that other people did other things in the morning and fit more in those hours other than just wake up and go to work so I really liked that again I think at that time of my life because I had that flexibility too of I was working by 7 30 I was teaching middle school but I still that's when I first started working out in the mornings doing prayer in the mornings different things because again it's not that there's anything wrong with night owls or being on a different schedule But I think it's very interesting that so many people, CEOs and different people who have really established things in the world and um, in different ways, that most of those people tend to swing to prioritizing mornings and doing things in the mornings. So thought they were on to something. And I do think it's true that, and that's why I'm such a proponent of mornings, but because so much less can derail you in the morning, you know, at 4.30 or 5 a.m. than can later on in the evening. Also, I think that this is me now putting my personal two cents on it and going a little soapboxy as usual, but most of us are not going to do the same behaviors that we would at night as in the morning. So for example, most people who are waking up at and going to work out at five or pray at five and then work out or whatever are not waking up at five to eat chips and watch TV. Whereas people who stay up later it tends to be a pitfall time of it's easier to snack. It's easier to be slothful and watch a lot of TV, like binge watch TV. There's just more things I think that are tempting at night that don't tempt us at 4.30 in the morning. If I'm getting up at 4.30, it is not going to be to watch Netflix and sit on my couch. <laughs> so loved that book. Uh, really just I opened my eyes. I believe she also authored 
I cannot remember the title of it. It was something about like women can have it all or moms can have it all or something like that. And I didn't get down with every single thing on the in the book, but it was us again case studies of women's time logs and seeing how they actually fit things in their days. And I liked the idea in there too that you kind of have to sacrifice some things on different days. Like if you want to see a friend, yeah, you might have to stay up later that night. But it was worth it because you saw a friend and had a coffee date, something like that. Another one this I did not put on my list, so that I'm, this is like 2A and 2B, <laughs> is uh, Pick 3. That was by Randy something, I believe. And again, didn't believe in the entire message of the book. Took good things away from it, though, where she organized it into like seven categories. I'm probably butchering this. It was a while ago. If you're listening to this and you know it well, you're like, Brittany, it was like 12 categories. But um, where she was saying, like, you can be successful in all these different areas, friends, family, work, like fitness was one of them, work was one of them if you work. And, but it was like, but not all on the same day. Like, you just cannot fit it in all in the same day. So pick three each day. And again, I, I had some disclaimers on there. I'm like, well, you should be a good mom every day and you should be a good wife every day and you should, you know, ideally take care of yourself every day but I get where she was going with and again looking at the examples that maybe again a day that you're going to get your morning workout in might not be the same day that you meet a friend you know that night because it's going to be late but you you know one day you picked your workout and you sacrifice sleep sleep was a category as well and that's just the reality I think it painted it pretty well for us moms and it helped me in the way that I think like well I can't I look at these families that have four or five, six kids. And I'm like, how do you give one-on-one attention to every kid every day? And I think that idea helped me of, okay, maybe not in the span of a day is every kid going to get an hour of your undivided attention, but looking at it over the course of a week and more time that, okay, well, you read with so-and-so this day and -and so-and-so got to go on an errand with you the next day. And it all kind of averages out and you are overall being, you know, rounded out in those areas, but that it's not every single day that you're going to be excelling in all of them or just giving a lot of time to them. You can't have an hour-long workout and work and go on a date with your husband and go on a hike with your kids. Like, you just can't fit it all in one day. So that was another good one that I didn't put on the list but just snuck in. (laughs) All right, number three is Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less. So that is by Greg McCowan, I believe you say his name, and I loved this book. I read it, I think, last summer, two summers ago. And as a person that loves to read all these productivity books and tries to figure out more ways to accomplish more and blah, 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 the discipline pursuit of less was definitely a wake-up call to me, but called me out in the best way while I'm reading it myself thinking, oh my goodness, that's me. When we tend to, I think moms are particularly good at this, thinking like, I have so much to do today, we're just buried in it. We feel buried. And Sometimes I look at my list and I'm like, well, actually sorry guys forgot to silence that um like actually guys we does all this have to be done today because sometimes I just like the fact that I can get everything off the list where it didn't all need to be done that day what is essential right now what is essential in general makes you really look at your schedule and look at your life and I think this is a cool time to do it too a unique time really in the middle of coronavirus still where so many extracurriculars are still wobbly. You know, they're they're on, they're off. They're You can have two people there. You can have 10 people there, whatever. And I think it's a nice time to be able to look at your schedule. And when a lot of things were stripped from us to see what is worth adding back in. 
And I think that's really cool. It made me view really honestly everything in, in this kind of light of, okay, what is essential? I felt myself being panicky some weeks because, oh, we've got a play date Monday and then Tuesday I have to go to the grocery store and we have another play date Wednesday. And I was like, you know what, Brittany, you're the one in charge. Like, take a deep breath. You have two little kids. They're not setting your schedule for you. You're saying yes to all these things and all these people, and they're all good, but you don't have to do it on the same week, you know? Maybe start spacing it out. I'll play it eight a week. That's fine. No one's saying you have to do three. And those kinds of things, I think it really made me take a step back and be like, all right, I do have a lot of control over my life and my schedule. Obviously, God's in ultimate control, but we sometimes just throw our hands up like, I'm just so busy. Like, who created that? <laughs> so essentialism was really, really instrumental in helping me clear out the excess and even just getting rid of some things altogether. Like, why am I doing this? Who am I actually serving by this? Things like me spending hours freaking out about the kids' photo albums and memory boxes and da-da-da. And then I was like, you know what? Here's the thing. My kids... First of all, I'm going to stereotype this because I have boys. How much are they going to care about this? But number two, <laughs> I myself have a Rubbermaid, two Rubbermaids full of memory box stuff in the basement that are just sitting in my basement that I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not going to throw it out. I'm not going to sell it. You know, some of the things are like uh, American Girl doll I used to have, whatever. I appreciate it. I know some people are more sentimental than me, but like in general, that's probably something I can dial it down on. I can keep one baby book per kid keep them some pictures, you know, make a photo album for them if I want, but I don't need to hype this up to be this huge thing where I'm spending hours making sure I perfectly curate their childhood memorabilia to hand to them one day because odds are they're not even really going to care that much. Like they're going to want to see some stuff from when they were a kid and that's about it. So that's not essential. You didn't need to be stressing about that for three hours on a Saturday. (laughs) All right, just an example. Okay, number four extreme ownership by jacko willink this book is an interesting one because it is written by a navy seal if you don't know who jacko willink is he also has a podcast he's very motivational and he co-authored i believe this book with somebody but he is a navy seal and he wrote it with a lot of examples of actual missions and things like that that they were on so it's a kind of a cool read because i wouldn't normally read battle books and things like that with that much action But he does that so that then there, you know, is something for you to glean from that, some skill or lesson to be learned. It's a lot about leadership, but more so the overarching theme is taking responsibility for your life. And I think everybody honestly needs to read this at some point. I've saved it. Um, I give a lot of my books away, but I've saved this one to have my children read and things like that because it's just so good. It's like, all right, again, who's in control? Yes, God, but what are you in control of? It's a heck of a lot. Stop being a victim. Stop acting like everybody owes you something. Take ownership and let's go. And I love it. I love his mentality. So can't recommend that one enough. If I had to whittle it down to like two, that would probably be on there. And then lastly, this one was hard to choose because I love books like this too. I put on here The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. And I have read like I think all of her books. Um, the happiness project was another one. And I've just read a lot of in general, like personality books, the birth order book, the love languages book. I really like psychology books and behavioral studying kind of books, temperaments, that kind of thing. So 
the four tendencies was really cool and interesting because it's all about how you are motivated and what, you know, pushes you, what makes you want to do better, what makes you, what you respond to. And this was really a good read for myself in A, understanding myself better, B, very much understanding my husband better because I realized we are just totally different tendencies. Um, I, I can't even quote them all right now. I think there's an, the upholder and the rebel are definitely two, upholder and rebel, because I think that's what my husband and I are. So I remember those ones. Um, and then there's two more, but it's been a minute since I read it. But I actually even used to ask clients to take the four tendencies quiz that she offered online. And I don't even do that now because most people, it's pretty easy to identify as soon as it, as soon as, we, you know, I get a couple of weeks under my belt of working with them. But it's all about what, you know, you respond to in regards to if somebody else, you know, imposes a rule on you, like say myself as a trainer tells you your goal for the week is to hit five workouts to complete all five of your workouts. If you're an upholder, you are going to want to meet that expectation because I've set that for you and you very much want to you know, please the person or not even in a bad way, but you respond well to external accountability, whereas the rebel feels like shut down by you putting that on them. And this helped me so much because I have had clients in the past be like, I literally don't want to track just because you told me to track. And I think that's actually a good thing for them to have realized in and of themselves and in their own personality and temperament that like that was that they could feel that in themselves is like I'm not gonna do that because Brittany told me to and obviously I'm not just telling you to track for my own you know kicks and giggles it's because I'm trying to help you get to the physique you want and all that jazz what you know do what it takes to get there but I find it so interesting that some people just respond better to having people check in on them and set goals for them and someone to like be accountable to Whereas other people are totally repulsed by that. They want to be able to just set their own goals. They're very self-disciplined and just can be accountable to themselves. And it goes much further into this, gives lots of great examples, but I think it helps you if you are in any kind of field of needing to understand people. And again, just relationally, it's really helped me to be able to look at uh, my husband, my sisters, my family, and understand, you know, what's best for people. And again, all the books like that I really love. I think it's helpful to know people's love languages. You can pick it out so easily and just, you know, all those things that aid communication. See, this was really hard because even as I just said that, I thought of a bunch of marriage books that I love too that I would have loved to throw a marriage book on here. But uh, maybe I'll do more of these episodes in the future. If you liked it, definitely let me know. I just, I nerd out over books and I love to hear what people are reading and I always want recommendations. So there we have it. For now, those are the five books that have changed my life, but maybe I'll do a new updated version or in different genres or whatever. So let me know if you're interested. Let me know books that have changed your life. I would love to hear. I have a great list going for 2021 from all of your input and suggestions, and you can never have too many books ready to go. So Shoot them my way on Instagram or fitmomlifetothefullest at gmail.com if you have any ideas for me or anything you would like to add. So I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I will talk to you next time. 